0: How do multifamily owners retain renters and increase net operating income? Well, we're on a journey to find out. You're listening to Amenatize or Die, tactics and strategies from the front lines of multifamily. I'm your host, Scott Patterson, Marine Corps veteran and founder of Tumble Smart Laundry, on a mission to increase the NOI through the shared laundry. Today, we've got Tony Souza of, he's a VP of operations at Roscoe Property Management, or as we all lovingly know them as RPM Living. Uh, welcome to the show, Tony.
1: Scott, good. To ha- thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, you're at RPM now, but you certainly didn't start in RPM. Um, from what I could tell, you were at uh, Avalon Bay, Sequoia, uh, you know, Alliance out here in California, and then you, you jumped over to, to Texas, and at, we're at Embry, right. Um, oh, and Alliance is in Texas. Yeah. But uh, so what what's the story? You know, how, how, what's the journey of, uh, of Tony to get to where you're at now?
1: Yeah. Well, again, it, it sounds so repetitive. And so many in this industry are just like never saw me being here. Uh, it's, it's my story, too. But, um, you know, I'm from California. I'm from the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay I'm from Silicon Valley, uh, California. So, um, you know, shout out to uh, San Jose, California, all my family. Much, many of my friends and colleagues are still there. Um, but yeah, now in Texas, so total, you know, kind of blue state, to red state uh, navigating, you know, business all, all the way on the in between. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, my background is uh, some may know I was a journalist. And um, and so uh, early on uh, out of college, I was a journalist. Uh, you have an ounce of charisma. You become an actor if you live in Los Angeles. And so uh, that <laughs> for a little while and learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about how to audition and learned a lot about, uh, you know, if, if I thought I was special in Los Angeles, there's 15 other me's waiting in an audition room. Uh, to get the same part. And so, you know, it really kind of humbles you pretty quickly, makes you realize and make, makes you really ask yourself, like, what separates you? What makes you different than the next guy? It's not your hair. It's not, you know, how white your teeth you are or how you know, how many you got a six pack or an eight pack. It's, uh, it, you know, it's what's inside your head and what's inside your heart. So, um, you know, that was the evolution for me as a young man. Uh, got an opportunity on the leasing sales floor and um, I'd like to think uh, I made the most of it.
0: Nice. So, what, what brought you to property management? I mean, was that just like out of necessity You a struggling actor and, uh, got, got a little free rent with it. Yeah.
1: You know, as a young man, I dreamed of being a landlord. Uh, (laughs) um, I, uh, I, yeah, that was exactly it. So I met my, my wife who's my wife now and, and we were dating and, um, I was sharing a bedroom, uh, with, with a, a close friend of mine who's still a very close friend of mine, who's an actor in Los Angeles to this day. And, uh, and I and I and proposed to my wife uh, or my girlfriend at the time, and, and I was like, I need to like save some money to pay for this wedding. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Well, I split a bedroom, bro, and we pay four seventy five for this room, and I'm gonna get a twenty percent discount, so it'll be like one seventy five for me. It's like rent free almost. And so, uh, and I was a waiter at the time because, as an actor, as you know, you know, you do a, a, a jack of trades. You know, I was a teacher, I was a limousine driver, I was a caterer, I was a waiter. Um, you know, I was, I was a high school teacher, uh, you know, so I did a lot of different things. And so, but what I, what I thought and and what I felt I was good at was I was persuasive. And, um, as a young man, I thought, you know, listen, I, you know, I'm going to go from 15%, uh, sales checks on a, on a, on a restaurant tab to, you know, maybe a percentage, uh, uh, you know, on a, on a lease or something of that sort. So, um. I didn't get my first go. I recently, you know, wrote about that, you know, they essentially, the office was closed on my first interview, but, you know, try, try and try again. And I, I got the job and like I said, uh, here I am making the impact that I am.
0: Yeah and And that first one was Avalon bay that
1: was Avalon bay yeah that was uh that was a great company to be a part of. I didn't realize it at the time, frankly, you know looking back on it now, I think that really gave me you know a great fundamental start to this business obviously it's a well respected REIT within this business and um, worked really with some amazing people and I'll tell you you know uh the regional director at the time really you know every seven or eight months kind of shifted me around and put me in challenging circumstances and you know, you, you, you quickly learn, as you know, with your background, you quickly learn what you're made of when you're faced with adversity. And, um, and, you know, I was faced with some adversity in business and, you know, sent to the most challenging uh, properties at the time. And, and I, I'd I'd like to think at the time, and I remember thinking, you know, I'm like, I think everywhere I go, I make it a little bit better. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, I've just tried to kind of emulate that in my career as, as, as I've grown anywhere that I'm at, I, I, I try to leave it a little bit better than I found it.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I definitely can relate to that. I mean, that's our entire business. Um, but well, I, so one of the, one of my favorite things, so I, I, obviously follow you on LinkedIn, um, you know, see all the posts and one of, one of your things, like you're very focused on hiring, right. And creating an environment for people to excel, right? Um, And as as a leader, like our our team is fifteen people now at Tumble, um, all over the place. You know, I, I I definitely I feel that so much, right? Like you you really want to hire right. You really want to like you really want people to feel like they're empowered to do their best job, right? And how do you think that your story ties into that focus for you, you know, especially in the climate of hiring um, at some, a lot of these positions tend to be kind of minimum wage or a little bit above minimum wage, which is very hard to hire for right now. So, you know, like, how do you think that your story kind of affects the way that you, you run your operations now?
1: Well, at the end of the day, I, I, I truly know and believe that people work for people. And uh, I think it's important when I interact or my team interacts with with a candidate, for example, that it, it's a two way conversation. Sure, you're interviewing the candidate for the x's and o's, x's and o's of their skill set and experience, but at the same time, the candidate is really evaluating you as a as a people leader, as a supervisor, uh, and what they're thinking now is different than they thought. Let's just say three years ago, they're thinking a does this person seem like they honor truly work-life balance uh is this a supervisor i think i can call if i'm not feeling well or my kid's not feeling well and they won't question my motives for staying home Uh, is this is this an environment that i can go to every day that seems light and enjoyable and and positive and 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 focused on you know you know the aspects of the business versus uh pettiness or, or toxicity or gossip or the stuff that, you know, are a part of life, but it shouldn't be the main focus in healthy organizations, right? It, it should be, you know, what the business is and then having a good time while doing it is, is, is the key and the most simple, simplest way I could define that. Um, I, I, I frankly, in today's atmosphere and culture, I, I am taking a sort of a countercultural approach in, in regards to I'm not trying to complicate it. Uh, I'm trying to simplify it more than ever before. And I, I think the reality of what the pandemic did for a lot of people and did for me has uh, really simplified life for me, uh, simplified what's important to me. Um, and I think it's done that for m- many people within our country and throughout the world. It, it helps you realign what was important. And um, so when I meet with people or encourage my teams on how they meet with people, uh, I encourage them to speak to sort of core human wants Needs and desires about support, simplicity, and um, and also learning. You know, obviously, what their career goals are. Uh, we find in a lot of polling surveys and others, you know, that's a that's often a, a rare conversation that's had with employees about where you're trying to go. Because as supervisors, listen, we get it. Like, I don't want this person to grow selfishly because that means I have to find someone else. And believe me, employees know that, right? Uh, unless you have a really dynamic, unique supervisor that. Uh, does want you to grow. And um, at this stage, I think in the business culture, I think those are few and far between those supervisors that are really working as a coach to see you grow to the next level.
0: Yeah, that's fine. I actually asked that a fairly similar question to that so like everyone always has heard the like, well, what do you want to what's your five year plan, right? Where do you want to be in five years? And I think that's a dumb question. I think it's like the worst question ever, right? Because like if you asked me five years ago, where I was gonna be, like I, I don't even know what I was doing five years ago. Like I, I what is it, twenty twenty two? I was, I think I was a chemist. I literally think I was a chemist at, in twenty twenty two. So like, I would I be running a laundry company, like a technology, you know, working with multifamily operators and you know doing all this stuff? Probably not, you know. So I always thought it's kind of a dumb question, but so what? I've switched that question up to be instead of where do you see yourself in five year, like what do you think you want to be doing? Like, what is the direction sort of general? What are you interested in? Like, what do you think, like, if you were to, like, kind of plan a direction that you wanted to move in in five years, not where you want to be, but, like, what are you interested in? And I always ask that because the answers are always kind of like, well, you know, I do kind of really want to get into sales or I do really want to, you know, become a regional director or I want to work in operations. I want to work in... I don't know. Oh, there's so many. I want to work in maintenance. Um, there's so many different routes. And so it, it it really takes the like, well, where do you want to be and turn it into a well, like,
1: what are you interested? Well, I think that I think you're right on, Scott. I mean, I, I think that question in and of itself provides a lot of pressure to the person being asked it um, to have some sort of answer for five years. And to your point, like, who knows? Um, I think it harkens back to like our high school, college days. Like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, uh, what, are you,
0: what are you doing with you your know, life?
1: Like, I would guess the majority of people listening here in high school or college are doing something completely different than what they thought they would be doing then, let alone five years ago. Right. So, so, and, and I'll be honest, I actually get that question asked of me pretty often of, you know, even people within my organization and outside, like Tony, what do you want to, what do you want to do, man? Like, like things are going so well for you, it appears. And, 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 and you're gifted in this and that way. Like, what do you want to do? And I, I, you know, even the mature me now. You know, and I'm sure in years ahead will be even more mature. But, but, but still, like the the not kid in me is like, I don't know, right? Like, like, I, and I'm not putting the pressure on myself to say I do know. Uh, if there, If I've learned anything in life is 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 that, like you said, like I, I didn't expect to be here, but here we are, and I'm here for it, right? So. Um, yeah. So, so be present, um, be thoughtful, uh, see what's happening now, be able to connect the dots today, but also I think be able to connect the dots for, for what's happening in the future. And I think, frankly, why I'm here now was because I connected the dots very well during the pandemic. I saw what was happening in real time. Uh, and, and in some ways for me, it was in slow motion. Uh, for others, I think it was a tornado and a whirlwind of what's happening. Oh, my God. Um, uh, and I'm not even talking about pandemic. I'm talking about like people, culture, business. Uh, you know, the pandemic in and of itself was a tornado for all the world to figure out at the same time. But, you know, going back to the to the phrase I said earlier, it's just simplifying, slowing it down. And and if anyone listening or you've played sports, the best athletes by by later in their career, when they're really great, the game slows down for them. Right? They're able to see it uh, as it's happening and, and able to process the game uh, better and faster because the game has slowed down. And for me, I feel the game is slowed down a bit. I'm able to sort of take a step back and, and say what's happening now. Um, and I'll speak to this sort of great you know, transition or resignation that, that we've all been talking about for the last 12 to 15 months. Uh, it, it's, just a, it's just a pendulum swing of how, the pan, you know, in my opinion, how the pandemic was handled by most companies people yeah. people didn't uh, they forgave but they didn't forget uh, how they were handled and how they were taken care of and how they were cared for in the pandemic um, so now uh, they're going to make some decisions and now they feel they have the leverage and they're right. going to do what's best for them and their family and and so if you handled the pandemic well or you handled your people well during the pandemic and you it remained incredibly human and empathetic, and it was okay to be scared. It was okay to be confused. It was okay to ask questions. If you, if you cultivated that culture, in my opinion, those leaders, those companies aren't dealing with a massive turnover that, 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 that some companies are um, because they just handle things differently in, in a more sub- supportive environment. So um, it, it's the same thing now. We're looking at the future ahead. Obviously, we're seeing in multifamily things slow, right? Uh, markets soften. Uh, I think I, I feel that same frazzled angst in operators and leaders like, oh, here we go again. Um, and, and I think we just need to, like, again, slow down, you know, simplify things, focus on people. Somebody recently sort of provided, a, you know, what are you going to tell yourself, you know, three years from now, what you should be focusing on now? You know, and I didn't give it much thought. I mean, it was instantaneous, but the answer seemed very obvious to me. I had a one word answer. People, period right? I mean, focus on people now. And frankly, I don't think that's going to change. I think the best organizations uh, throughout much of sort of modern, you know, history uh, have done an incredible job on focusing on people. And frankly, people are the most challenging part of our business. And those who can get those, the people part best and and right the most uh, often find the most success.
0: Right. And well, and it directly affects property, performance. Every, right. So every, there's this the great idea of, from that. <laughs> yeah. There's this great idea, right. Of, of, uh, community service as an amenity. Right. And I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I got that from you or from RPM. I mean, R, RPM has also just exploded over the last Amazing. like couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I, the growth is, is, is just, it's Insane, and right? They, so, and, and
1: I'll speak to that a little bit. I mean, they've doubled down on their focus on people, and and it's largely why I'm also here, and I'm excited for the future while being here, and, and and that's why that explosion in a lot of ways has happened, and and there's so much sort of bubbling excitement within the organization, and and you know at at mid you know management levels and site levels, and so you know we're excited for the future as well. But but again, it comes back to that single word that we seem to be referencing as people.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and, and that onsite team, right. Is literally your, your interface with the customer, right? Like it doesn't get any closer, right? Like Tony's not out there talking to every single resident in the RPM portfolio. Um, But you have to create the environment and like, let's be honest, right? Like renters are not usually the, the kindest people all the time says who's um, got who, <laughs> you know uh, and and you know rightfully so the 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 um dynamic between landlord and tenant has been one of uh, friction <laughs> and taking advantage of for for years right forever like that's like the the classic right and from anything from security deposits to move out inspections to move in inspections to Right. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. The picture on the website versus the apartment that you get, right? Like, um, all of these stories exist. And and, and
1: and I want to speak to something, and I think it's the crux, oftentimes, of your of of your message. And and I've done some research on you, and follow you, and, and enjoy what you do. Um, and I think you know, it's it's that essence we talked about, people, but 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 it's about customer service. And I, and I think okay. this is where smart companies. Um, and great leaders will differentiate themselves going forward. Right? So we all hear this buzz that customer service isn't what it was before, right? Pre, you know, post pandemic, what happened to the good old customer service days? Well, frankly, uh, it's not what it was, let's be honest, but those companies, those leaders that can cultivate um, uh, sort of this environment that their employees want to give the best service, uh, selfless service to their customers will draw customers back and at the, at the end of the day we're in the you know, business is business you know retention is 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 key to the success of your business for us it happens to be renewals and stay with us and continue to live with us but it, for retail or fast food come back we want you to come back and we want you to have a good experience now so you come back tomorrow and if you you know, do that obviously uh, on scale you're going to be doing well um, and again it just comes down to the simplicity of the fundamentals of our business uh, standing, smiling, engaging, greeting, um, and, and you know, i i i being from i being from Silicon Valley, California, I feel I have uh, some ability to speak to uh, you know this sort of merge of 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 technology, centralization, and customer service. Because I, I actually think there's a place uh, for both, and I think they can actually sort of survive and live comfortably in harmony. Um, But, but I, I urge my, my, my tech friends to be careful because, um, many in the property management business, uh, especially at the site level, when they hear of automation or centralization, uh, there's a, there's a reflex in them that that causes them to, to cringe a little bit, because what that tells them is their jobs are going to be replaced. Now Believe me, I talked to a lot of prop tech guys. I know, Scott, you're, you're one of them to some extent. And, and I always hear the same thing. That's not what we're saying, Tony. Um, but I, but I, what I'm trying to say, you know, and as, as some folks would comment on my post is sort of say it louder for those in the back, is that may not be what you're saying, but that's what often the on-site teams are hearing. right. So 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 finding ways to sort of join this partnership of technology. And I'm a huge proponent of technology. Like I said, I'm an OG. I'm from the valley. So so I get the reasons that technology was sort of born and it's there to sort of supplement, create efficiencies and frankly, support human activity. Uh, you know, at its core. So uh, I just want to, you know, sort of say that for the audience and anyone on the tech side, like, oh, he's just a tech hater. Uh, I get it and I love it. And, and I don't think there's a big, you know, you know, I don't think there's a big group out there that would say that, but, but, but I'm speaking on behalf of my industry and I'm speaking on behalf of site teams, uh, and and roles that I've been in, and 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 that conversation has been happening for the last ten plus years. It's starting to ramp up now more post pandemic because we're seeing opportunities for the technology is now there, right? The technology has emerged to actually be ready, um, and and I liken it to you know touchless tours. They claimed they were ready in March of twenty twenty. They weren't. <laughs> so, um, but we got pitched a whole bunch of you know you know you know concepts that they were. But technology is is, is there now and we need to embrace it and find out ways that can help our teams uh, versus take their jobs or, or scare them or make their jobs more cumbersome. So I'm here for that conversation. I think in the coming years, we're going to have more of that conversation. I hope to be a part of that. And to some extent, yes, I'll play a devil's advocate and I'll push against the rails uh, because the easy answer is sort of these buzzwords that I just referenced a few times that are used all the time. But 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 as a former journalist and somebody who really enjoys the nuance of language and communication, I think I think it's important that we unpack that a little bit. Uh, and be really mindful of our audience and who we're speaking to about what that means for them um, right. and, and and not in cliches. You know,
0: it's funny is it's, it, it's not just, I mean, it, it's not just our industry, right? It's not yep. just multifamily. Yep. Like I was at the Chamber of Commerce last week. I think it was last week um, talking to the U.S. Small Business Council. So a bunch of small business owners yes. um, at the Chamber of Commerce and they were interested in venture capital mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But what the questions that they were really interested in is, like, technology, yeah. right? Because here they, I mean, they're all running kind of traditional businesses, um, you know, and, and I, I, I kind of I said the same thing, like, look, like, technology is here to make your business more efficient. Like, we're, the reason that we exist as technology companies is to take you and all of the stuff that you hate doing, And all of the time that is just sucked up by things that you don't enjoy, that are just not, they're not incrementally valuable to you and just get rid of that, right? So that you can focus on higher value tasks, things that drive your core business, your key metrics, your, the things that you are getting judged on, frankly. And so, you know, with like, obviously like I work in laundry, right? Like. Uh, so for, for our our whole thing on the user side was like, well, first of all, no one likes doing laundry in the first place. So if we can just incrementally make that experience better, it's already worth it, right? Then on top of it, if we can help our partners drive a better business out of these things, even better, right? So the stat for laundry is 225 hours a year. Is, uh, an average American will spend 225 hours a year doing laundry as wow. well. Women, women will spend 325 hours a year doing laundry. So there's, there's something called a chore gap that is a really interesting (laughs) dynamic. So for us, you know, like, yeah, I talk about automating laundry away, but the first step is actually to create more jobs through this whole thing. So you actually throw people at it and then you use human machine teaming, which is technology to make those people more efficient, right? At their jobs, able to make more money from that individual person and then the next part is, yeah, we're going to start talking about automating in a way because it gets to a point where, you know, if you go to any other country, basically, no one's doing their laundry there. There's someone doing their laundry for them. And so that's kind of the incremental step that we kind of go through now. Things like centralized leasing. Um, the reason that that technology got so pervasive was because of a talent shortage. It was basically built out of necessity. Right. But then now there's still a human element to that idea. That centralized leasing idea. Right. Where I as a rent, I'm I'm a renter in San Francisco. Right. Like I want to talk to someone, you know, like I want to see the unit that I am supposed to be renting. Right. And if they just give me a passcode and I just walk in and I'm walking around, I'm like, okay, I have questions. And it's like, okay, talk to the chat bot, right? It's like, yeah, uh, okay, I'll talk to the chat bot and then I'll request that to a person because right. that's what I'm, I'm trying to do, right? right. So I, I totally agree. I think there is a maturity to some of these things, um, but where we should be looking at, especially right now, right? Where, like we talked about, markets are softening. We should be looking at providing the utmost value to the customers. Like, that's it. That's bottom line. Bottom line is deliver value. Right. Yeah. Well, and if you can leverage software to do that, great.
1: And I'll say this, you know, it's actually a thought that I had while, I, while you were saying what you were saying. And, and I agree completely. I think we're on the same page very much. Obviously, we do different things for a living. But but um, what I think it's important for prop Tech to, to realize, there's still a, a, there's a apprehension to the industry. Uh, property management, you have to remember it, it has been for many decades, a very antiquated industry. And so all of a sudden, Mr. PropTech guy arrives and said, I got all the answers to your problems. Um, the industry, which still has many that have been through many decades uh, of, of this business are saying, well, Mr. PropTech guy or gal, are you sure you have all the answers? And it sounds like you're <laughs> trying to talk me out of a job. Okay, so I I say that to say, uh, trust continues needs to continue to happen to be built between the industries, between the supplier industry of prop technology and property management. Right? We call it multifamily because it sounds sexier. It's property management, right? It's it's the same thing. And so these relationships between these two. Uh, these two departments, these two divisions need to continue to strengthen because frankly, in offline conversations with operators that have been in this business longer than I, they don't trust you guys. They don't okay. trust the industry yet because they're, they're, they think you're just trying to sell us something to either get us out of a job or something we don't need. And frankly, that what's man. happening is a lot of pitches are going to operators who frankly don't really understand technology very well. You and I both know this, right? You could talk circles around an operator. Uh, and yeah, obviously- that's why
0: I like talking about laundry because <laughs> everyone understands. Right. Everyone seems to understand this one.
1: Right. And that was that was the essence to my, to my recent you know uh, post on stop geeking out, right? Like geek out yeah. about what we geek out about, right? We get it. You love your industry and it's fun right now and very relevant and, and it's and, 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 and it, you know, it's cool. Um, but you know, know your audience, right? Like, like, you know, that was the main essence of, of what I was trying to say. And there were some great suggestions in the comment box. And, you know, listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to turn LinkedIn into Facebook, right? We're, we're not going to have these ongoing dialogues in the thread. But, um, but, I, you know, and for me in the role that I find myself in, you know, I'm just putting things out, right? I'm, I'm a fire starter of conversation. Uh, I'm a contrarian at times, because on the other side, what, what, what maybe this audience doesn't realize, I'm also having conversations with those in my industry, those on site to say, guys, listen, technology is coming and it's coming fast. Okay. So continue to find ways to make yourself valuable, continue to find ways to, to learn the technologies that are out there um, so that you can properly vet them when they come to you. Uh, and and so so I'm having both conversations in different ways because... The reality is the world is moving that direction. And I think as an industry, we need to be ready, uh, to ask, uh, uh smart questions, um, intelligent questions, thoughtful questions of the te- technology and the integration of the technology. And ultimately is it simplifying, uh, uh, the onsite team's experience? Is it simplifying the experience of the resident? Um, and, or is it just adding to the tech stack <laughs> and, and, and the reality is sometimes it's just adding. And the reality is sometimes it doesn't truly integrate, even though the best sales guy said it did. Um, And so, you know, so as an industry, I'm also having, you know, backline conversations with, with my peers and onsite teams to say, listen, educate yourself as quickly as possible so that you can ask the right questions when people come knocking on your door, because this is not going away. Um, and then of course I have a different lane of, you know, speaking to the prop tech guys and, and gals, you know, in, in this, in this, uh, you know, in, in, the division that they're in and, and playing a devil's advocate for the sake of my industry. So, so I'm, I'm conscious of what I'm doing. Uh, I support technologies, smart guys like you and, and, and others that are out there. Uh, you know, I can provide a long list of names of of great people doing great things in prop tech. I don't want to be known as like the prop tech hater. Um, but, but I, but I will ask some tough questions that maybe other operators frankly just don't know to ask.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you should, right. That's your job. Right. I mean, and ultimately that's what that, uh, that management fee is for is for that expertise. So, um, all right. Are you going to Optech? Speaking of operations I, and technology, you know, that,
1: that's uh, I'm not. Uh, that's one I'd love to be able to go to, especially you know with all the relevance around all these conversations that are happening. I'd love to be able to go there and and see some of my favorites uh, out there. I won't be there. I soon. Will you be there, Scott?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll yeah, yeah that's
1: I'll that's there. really one of the conferences. Uh, uh, definitely a go to. Hopefully next year I'll I'll be able to uh, to make it out there. It's in Las Vegas this year, right?
0: It is in Vegas. It's at the Win. It's sold out. They sold out the win. I didn't even think that was possible. Yeah,
1: well, well, it should be a good time. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of the write-ups uh, and, and the feedback from many that I know uh, about their experience. I mean, obviously multifamily conferences is a whole nother talking point about how that could be best uh, uh, probably reimagined uh, yeah. and, and designed, but that's for another show.
0: I really liked, I was at the uh, apartment association of greater Dallas, um, it was like speed dating. I don't know what it's actually yeah, called. Reverse, business exchange. Reverse I think trade the, show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they, I think the, I think the business exchange is how it's branded. Um, and that was great. I mean, it was so great to just be able to walk up and be like, hey, you guys want to talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Like, let's sit down and talk about it.
1: Um, well, and I, and whereas, I think it's stuff in your type of business, too. It's like you want to convey your business. You want to get into some of the technology, the X's and O's. Because, I mean, they give you like five minutes, right? Because I'm on the other side, right? I'm on the operator side. We went to one here in San Antonio. And. And, um, you know, so it's tough. It is speed dating and definitely gets you in front of a lot of different people. And ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I can tell right away and I've followed you, I mean, you're a super likable guy. I'd like to think of that of myself as well. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's where relationships initially are built through human, you know, connection, um, and then go from there. Hey, Scott, you know, tell me a little bit more about your technology and in, the, you know, in the business side of, of what you do.
0: I, I like this as partnerships, right? Like I, I truly feel like I'm never selling to anyone because there are two incumbents in this space and if they were good partners, we wouldn't exist. So, um, that's, that's how I look is like, look, I'm here to help you run your business more efficiently. And if you want to enter in that partnership, fantastic, right? Let's do this, you know, we'll figure it out together. We'll build things together. We'll be successful together. But if you're not ready to do that, that's fine. You know, like we're not going anywhere.
1: And I think that's, I think that's a great sort of approach. And I think it speaks to your maturity and your confidence. And also I think your confidence in the technology that you provide Um, that to me in a, in a, in a lot of ways says more in a sales pitch than, you know, you f- feeling as though in, in eight minutes you have to provide me or eight seconds, you know, whatever the elevator.
0: Here's is. all of the bullet points that I need Here's you all to adjust.
1: Here's the tech dump on your head. And they're like, listen, I, I know enough to be dangerous, but man, dude, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this information. Uh, and you know, we need time to process it. So I really appreciate your approach. A, a good friend of mine who's, you know, with ADT Marshall Friday, you may know of him or, or see him out there. He does, you know, I think he has a very similar approach as you do is just, you know, genuine relationships without, uh, really, you know, you know, expecting or begging for business. Um, and he he's doing a great job and I know you're doing a great job making an impact out there. So, um, yeah, you got the right approach. I think a lot, a lot on the supplier side should be listening and, and emulating, I think to some extent, uh, as soon as I connect with them, uh, you know, they're instantly in my, in my DM box, uh, trying to pitch me something. So, um, that's not how the game works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Tony. Um, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing with us a little bit about you, a little bit about RPM and, um, you know, we are, we are actually expanded into Texas. Now we got a couple, uh, RPMs in the, in the, uh, pipeline. So,
1: um,
0: we're, we're well on our way, uh, to, to spread across the country. So, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more in the future.
1: Yeah, I look forward to it.
0: Uh, thanks for listening to the show. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on LinkedIn or Twitter, at Die. I'll see you next time.